Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 11, the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is in the new covenant in my blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I'll just pray with me. Heavenly Father, in the names above every name, in the name of Jesus, we remember Calvary all over again. Help us remember. Holy Spirit, help us remember. Help us see Calvary today, that we might see your broken body, that we might see your poured out blood, the blood gushing from your brow, from your back, from your hands, from your feet, from your side. Oh, Lord Jesus, this is the New Testament. This is the new covenant in your blood. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your poured out blood your broken bread and poured out wine so freely given to each of us. We ask you to bless this bread, bless this blood, this wine. Lord Jesus, as we partake today to remember you, in Jesus' name we pray.
Praise the Lord. We're going to eat together, drink together. Everyone would grab their little wafer. This is the body. Lord Jesus, put the portion of the body of Christ on this bread for each person that we have need of today. In Jesus' name, they all ate together. Feel your second layer back. You see the juice. Lord Jesus, you said this is the New Testament in your blood, in the cup, the new covenant. Lord, we don't boast in any of our own accomplishments or any of our ability to be righteous. All our boasting is in you and in the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've so freely given us here at Calvary. In Jesus' name, bless this. And they all drank together. Amen. We're going to bring a little garbage bag by for you to put your cup in. Uh, turn, turn, there we go, now we're going. <laughs> turn to somebody beside you and say, good morning, good to see you here today. It's always a special time to be here and share in communion. Uh, so just glad to see each one of you here and be able to participate in that with us. 
At this time, I'd like to go ahead and dismiss the youth and the children. Uh, it's time for them to go to their classes, so they're, they're dismissed. Good to see everybody who's a regular. It's always good to see smiling faces. And anybody that's new here this morning, we just encourage you to worship with us and feel free to come back uh, every Sunday. Uh, just a reminder of those that uh, are not aware of it, uh, we have a live devotional on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening at 6. It's on our Facebook page. It's with pastors uh, Chad and Rachel Hayes. And it's always a good time of encouragement and learning. So make sure you check that out. If you're not able to catch that live, it's always recorded. And you can go to our uh, website, returnchurch.org, and, and view it at your convenience. The uh, end times class is continuing. It'll meet this evening. It's between 6 and 8 p.m. Uh, it'll meet downstairs in the fellowship hall. Uh, Mike Schwartz uh, is working with that. Mike's got his hands up. If you have any questions, you can see Mike, and he'll let you know what's happening there. There's a sign-up sheet in the hallway down by the bathrooms, and you can sign up there so they know how many are, uh, how many are coming. Uh, just a reminder of the return newsletter. How many have signed up for the return newsletter? Okay, make sure you do that. It's full of lots of good information. It uh, uh, has uh, our weekly devotions, our weekly sermons, all of the announcements. And it's, e it's easy to sign up uh, for that. Just go to our website. You can scroll down to the newsletter. You'll have to fill in the name and email address, and that'll just show up every week, and that'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening and uh, all the, the latest sermons. So that's such a blessing. If you have any questions on that or need some help getting signed up with that, Jessica could help you with that, or Murda, if she's in the office, she'd be happy to help you with that as well. So check that out. It's very good. Well, good morning. My, my, my. We had a great time last night. It was a lot of fun. And God did some great things in the midst of uh, his people worshiping here last night. Great time with Titus Chapman and Joe, Joe Champion and all those that uh, served. Thank you to everybody, all the kitchen, Brother Howard and your kitchen team. Y'all did a fantastic job serving all of our musicians and singers. Thank you. They, they worked hard. Friday night rehearsal, Saturday, noon after, uh, Saturday afternoon rehearsal, and then... Uh, singing last night, uh, performing last night, playing their instruments. They worked hard. And our media team, Clayton and Hilton and Michael, thank you guys for serving. Making last night a great night. Amen. Yeah, the sound men and, and the media team, they never get enough credit. You, you only hear about them when the mics squeak. They, they, need, they need more honor. <laughs> now, so uh, one last announcement, IMA, IMA Na uh, National Conference. We're, we're honored to host this. And uh, it's going to be September 21st through the 23rd. And I, I just want to be real clear. Everybody listen well because there's been questions and uncertainties. Everybody is welcome Monday night, Tuesday night, or Wednesday night. It's, it's open to the public. And so you're welcome to join in for any of those services. Worship with us. The word will be preached and uh, kind of be similar to a church service, a little different. But uh, it's going to be a great, great conference. We, we have about 60 ministers right now currently registered to be here and we still have I think three weeks almost three weeks or a little over three weeks and so I know this will be the time when they really start to register but we have folks from Honduras Mexico Philippines and the UK that's not the University of Kentucky uh, Texas Wisconsin Louisiana Oklahoma Arkansas Kansas Minnesota 
course, Indiana and Colorado. We have guys registered from those states and countries already. It's going to be a great time, and we need uh, volunteers, more volunteers. We had quite a few of these applications come in. If, if you look on your row, you can find one of these. Please fill one of these out. Uh, there, there's six options, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening for you to serve. You, you can pick the times you want to serve, what works best for you, and then the things that you might be interested in helping us with, there's a list there. You can tick those off and let us know if you're interested in helping out, and we'll contact you and uh, get, get you plugged in to, to serve on the team. We appreciate all that, and uh, how many of you are looking forward to hearing the word from Pastor Bill? I am. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Bill? Praise the Lord. I'm excited about that IMA conference. That's going to be a lot of fun. This is a group that Chad's been a part of for a long time. He's on the board of directors. It's a bunch of godly men. It gives us a, it'll give us a fellowship and a network and people to, uh, you know, encourage one another with. I'm, I'm excited about meeting all of his friends and all those board members, and it's just going to be a great time. And it's a real honor for our church to be able to host this. Okay, I'm going to talk about a brokenness today, if that's all right with you. Not one of the most popular subjects, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, a broken life. What communion really symbolizes to me is the broken life of Jesus. That's what we're to remember, his broken life. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, he says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That means a real Christian life, walking in his footsteps, is a broken life. A broken life. Again, not a lot to shout about, but when you see the big picture, you'll actually start shouting over the fact that he's breaking us. Amen. He loves you enough to break your will. He loves you enough to break your will. Luke twenty-two nineteen, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. See, the communion the intimacy with God, the union, the unity, the oneness, the whole, wholeness. Actually, everything we're looking for <laughs> is found in the thanking, the breaking, and the giving away. He took the bread. He thanked the Lord for it. He broke it, and then he gave it. Since communion is found in brokenness and giving, then I ask you a question today. Why are we so resistant to being broken and so anxious about giving ourselves away. That's where the communion is found, in the breaking and the giving away. Jesus was broken bread and poured out wine. Communion was not symbolic, it's radical. Our brokenness is healed by our communion with God through Jesus Christ at the table. I know it's hard to have communion with this little bitty cup and little bitty wafer and it just we're all spaced out and that's awkward and we wear face masks to church and that's awkward but when you get past the awkwardness of what just happened here we had a chance to experience the broken body and the poured out blood of jesus that is our way into the father that's our way into everything we're looking for in life everything your soul longs for is going to be found in your relationship with god and that comes through communion the other time when Jesus was feeding the people, miraculously, the Bible says in Mark 8, he took, told all the people to sit down on the ground, then he took seven loaves and thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. So once again, you got thanksgiving, you got breaking, and you got giving. 
this precedes a miracle of abundance. When we thank God for not having enough, then the miracle of multiplication comes with the breaking and the giving. It's thanking and breaking and giving. That's, that's life, the Christian life, thanking and breaking and giving it away, and that's how he multiplies. And in John 12, 24, he said, most, New King James, most assuredly I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain or much fruit, as in King James would say. All of our abundance comes from brokenness. He breaks us, so we'll be yielded and surrendered to him, and then so we'll give our life away. Until you learn to give, you don't know the secret of how to live, because abundance comes in the giving and, 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 and not in the keeping. Abundance comes in the letting go, not in the taking and the grabbing. Abundance comes with open hands, not with closed fists. The miracle of abundance is in the thanking, the breaking, and the giving away. People want a lot. They want to be rich. They want, they want God to multiply things in their life. Well, again, it starts with the thanking for not having enough, and then the breaking, and then the sharing it or the giving it away. That's how abundance comes. All abundance comes first out of brokenness. See, every seed of Every stalk of corn started with a seed. Every, you know, big stalk of wheat started with one little seed. And that seed had to be broken in the ground before it could produce fruit. All abundance starts with brokenness. We need open hands, not closed fists. Babies come into the world with closed fists. They, they're crying, they're screaming. They just had, came out of nine months of, 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 of this womb that was all mercy and covered them and protect them and now they're in this cold world and it's it's just the opposite of what the womb was and they've got their fists closed and all of our life through our adolescence and, and our adulthood we try to make money and grab and take and and build our kingdom with closed fists all the time God's trying to break you where you'll open your hands so you can Suffer never become brokenness. I'm not talking about suffering today. I'm talking about being broken in the right place. I'm talking about the brokenness that God's trying to bring. See, because God can do nothing through an unbroken, unyielding, hard, obstinate, stiff-necked, proud person. Now you say, well, God can do anything he wants to. No, he won't violate your will. One thing God won't do is violate your will. So when you see this term stiff-necked in the Bible, it's like a stiff will. It's like a rod inside of you, this, this rod standing up in your will instead of laying down. You got this stiff neck. See, God tried to break Israel's stiff neck will for 40 years in the wilderness. He let them wander trying to break their will. They wouldn't cooperate. They wouldn't surrender. So therefore, they didn't get to go into Canaan's land. Look at these scriptures. This is just a few times he called them stiff neck. Exodus 32, 9, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. 33, 5, says the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. I could come into your midst in one moment and consume you. And Deuteronomy 9, 13, furthermore, the Lord spoke to me saying, I've seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Let me let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And that's when Moses was 
interceding on behalf of the people that God wouldn't destroy them. They were such a stiff-necked people. What does that mean? That means they had a strong will that wanted to do their own thing, go their own way. They didn't want to surrender to the will of God. If they would have been surrendered to the will of God, they would have been given thanks every morning when they gathered manna instead of complaining. They would have been given thanks every day in the wilderness in their hot and dry circumstances. They would have just been so grateful for the water that flowed from the rock instead of complaining. If you, you got a stiff neck if you're complaining all the time, if you're murmuring all the time, if your attitude's wrong, it's because you got a will inside that's standing up and God's trying to get you to let it, lay it down. God wants a horizontal will, not a vertical will inside of you. Are y'all following what I'm saying here? <clears throat> We're like wild Mustangs. That's the most beautiful horse. When I look at that picture, I'm thinking, that's the most beautiful. But if he's not broken, all he's good for is to breed more rebellion into the herd. He runs and he's beautiful and beautiful to look at. And he can breed more of his own independence into the herd. But it, we're not to be like wild Mustangs. God wants to be the cowboy. Maybe that's not a great analogy. <laughs> God's a cowboy with spurs. But nevertheless, cowboys have to break these horses in order for them to be ridden. And it, it, what they'll do is catch them with a rope. And they'll, they'll tie them off to a big center post. And for a long time, they just teach them how to walk in a circle with the rope. And then one day, the cowboy will bring a, a set of bits to the horse's face. And he'll put a harness on the horse and try to get a bit in the mouth. Then he'll put a saddle on the horse. And this may take days and days and days for the cowboy and the horse to get comfortable enough with each other. But the day comes when the cowboy will cinch that saddle and then he'll jump on it and the horse will probably buck and buck and buck until he'll buck the cowboy off and the cow if he's a good cowboy he's going to get right back on that horse again and keep riding it until that horse is broken and you may not know it in life but a lot of times god's been trying to break your will and you've been bucking and bucking and kicking and snorting and screaming and y'all hear what i'm saying to you <laughs> I can just talk about me, all right? I know how I've been. My will has not been broken easily. I have resisted it a lot. So these, these wild horses are beautiful, but, but they're not good and productive for society until a cowboy can finally break him. And once, once God's got you broken, and once God's got you surrendered, then he can use you. Then, then he can flow through you. Then, then he can do and accomplish everything he wants to do and accomplish through your life. But your will's got to be broken. Look at these scriptures, Psalms 34, 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves as such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And then Psalms 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You know, do we even ever pray, Lord, break my spirit, break my heart? <laughs> I don't think so. This breaking process is uncomfortable. It's, it's more than awkward. It's painful. But what God really wants is this broken heart 
that will be so surrendered and so nigh to God, draw so close to God with this experience, real intimacy. Real communion comes when you mix your brokenness with Jesus' brokenness. Then you take his brokenness out to a broken world. That's what communion is really all about. Clenched fists, we come into this world with clenched fists. We go out, as soon as we die, our hands open automatically. If you've ever been with someone when they die, their hands will open. And the game of grabbing and taking and fighting, it's over. <laughs> Once you die, it's over. The secret to success is open hands and a broken will. There's a place in Africa where they got these certain kind of monkeys and the tribal people you know, want to catch the monkeys. So what they do is they get these long neck gourds and they tie the gourd to the ground and they put little pieces of fruit down the neck of the gourd, down into the bottom of the gourd. And then they get out of the way and the monkeys all come out of the woods and they stick their hands in the gourd and grab the fruit. But now their hand and the fruit's too much, they can't get it out of the gourd. And the monkey will hang on so tight that all the people have to do is come up and just catch the monkey because he is not going to let go of that fruit in the gourd. And a lot of times in our life, we're just hanging on so tight, we don't realize how tight we're hanging on. And all God's trying to get you to do is open your hand. All he's trying to get you to do is surrender your will. I got a little bucket of water here just to give you a little visual most simplistic way I could think to do this is a sponge. And if this sponge represents my soul, and if, I, if, I got, if I'm hanging on tight to life and I stick my soul in the waters of God's Word, when I come out, there's no water in the sponge at all. It didn't absorb anything. And all God wants me to do is, is to break Pains come in my life, sufferings come. I, I could write a book and call it Job 2. I really could. I got I, so much I've been through in li life. But if, but if I'm still hanging on, then all that suffering hadn't done me a bit of good at all. My pain has not accomplished anything if I'm still grabbing, grabbing for my own way. You know, independent. I, I know better than you. I know better than God. I'm going to do it my way. You know, come hell or, or high water, you know. I'm, but if I can humble myself, and, and when I get into the waters of God's Word, and I humble myself, and I open my hand, then my sponge fills completely. And then when I lift it out of the waters of the Word, it's got plenty to share and plenty to give to other people. This, this analogy is just so important, because you may not think you're, gripping it tight but if you're gripping it tight you go to church you don't get anything you look you read your bible in the morning it's dead to you you don't get anything you know you pray with your brothers and you feel like your prayers don't even leave the ceiling why because you're gripping it and you you got a you got the death grip on your soul you you are hanging on to that thing let it go open your hands and surrender i surrender all all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. Just simply open your hands, and it's as, it's as simple as like your sponge in water, like your soul now gets full, and you've got lots to give to everybody else. Do you all see what 
this is trying to show you. Let me set that down. I don't want to spill that. I got a wet hand. <laughs> I hope that helped you understand what I'm saying. See, we are his broken body. The church is his broken body. The communion, the intimacy, the union, the unity, the oneness, the wholeness, everything we're looking for in life is found at this communion, at this place of thanking and breaking and giving. Thanking, breaking, giving. The church is the broken body of Jesus Christ. We are all part of his body, amen? And we're broken. We're the broken body of Jesus. The Christian life is all about brokenness. In communion, our brokenness mixes with his brokenness. Then we take his broken body to a broken world. And when we touch and love the broken, we're touching and loving Christ. You want to really bless the Lord? You really want to feel the presence of the Lord? Find someone more broken than you. Find someone that's really broken. I mean, someone down, the world may call it down on their luck. It's a lot worse than lack of luck, believe me. There are people out there so broken, so hurting, so homeless, so have no one, have nothing. Find the broken and, and go and share the brokenness of Jesus with the broken people of the world. And then my favorite thing that happens in communion is this exchange, this, this swapping. He, he was our substitute, but he was our, he stood in our place and he took everything on himself that we deserved and we get everything he deserved. So Christ and the human become one body by faith. They hold all things in common now, which means that what Christ possesses now belongs to me and what I possess belongs to Christ. And look at the swap. Everything we possess is now on Jesus. That's our vices, our sins, our guilt, our shame, our condemnation, all of our junk got put on him at the cross. And then everything Jesus possesses is now ours. That's righteousness and holiness and godliness and all good things. That's enough to shout over right there. That's, that's the amazing exchange that happens when you have communion with God through the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus. The rich, noble, heavenly, holy bridegroom marries the poor, sinful prostitute and takes away all of her evil and gives her all of his goodness. That's what happens at communion. The miracle of communion with God is Jesus reaching out to us broken and giving. If we believe then everything we are gets placed on him, then he becomes what we are. He takes our sinful junk upon himself. Then we receive everything he is. He imputes his righteousness onto us and we become what he is. Most people don't believe that. But I'm telling you, learn to walk in that. That's reality right there. I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. Why? Because I believed. I put my faith in what he did. He took all my sin away, my iniquity away. That's enough to shout over right there. You don't have to go through life with guilt. He'll, he'll take it all upon himself, and then he'll give you everything he is. My favorite verse in the Bible, I can't resist it. I just try to work it in every sermon because I want you... I wanted to get inside of you so deep. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I love it. 
This is a common quote. I use this often. This is from C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian authors out there. He said, when I invited Jesus into my life, I thought he was going to put up some wallpaper and hang a few pictures. But he started knocking out walls and adding on rooms. I said, I was expecting a nice cottage, but he said, I'm making a palace in which to live. See, we don't understand why we need the suffering, why we need the pain. Man, he's, he's building something beautiful. He's building a new city right inside of your heart. Are y'all following me with this? God loves you too much, so much that he will break everything about you that is outside of your identity in him. At the core of every one of our issues is this attempt to construct our identity on something else beside Christ. Our family, our careers, our ministry, our hobby, our wealth, whatever it is, we, we want to create an identity outside of Christ. And this is the core problem. So sin is a despairing refusal to, def to find your deepest identity in your relationship to God. Sin is seeking to become oneself to get an identity apart from God or apart from Christ. This is the problem. This is what brokenness is about. God will come and break everything in your life that is not rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ. I know this by my own experience. He's, I, I've become something other than what he's created me to be. Then God will break that out of me. God will tear that down because he loves me so much. Nothing can break your life like not knowing who you are in Christ. And there's nothing that needs breaking more in life than the lies about who you are in Christ. The greatest danger to our soul is not success, but self lies. Now look at this. When you listen to the self lies hissing, hissing like a snake, that you're unlovable, you're unacceptable, you're unwanted, you're not good enough. That's when you go seeking your identity and success or status or superiority or you know, anything except your savior. That's the devil telling you these things. You're not good enough. No one loves you. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, you're unwanted. That's not true. That, that's the self-lies that you keep believing, and that creates this desire for you to seek an identity outside of Jesus. In fact, God loves cracked pots. I'm a cracked pot. A cracked pot almost seems useless. It seems worthless. Like, what good is a cracked pot? I turn 59 next week, and I've gone through so much, so much pain. I literally just feel like a cracked pot. But you know what? That's how the light can shine through the cracked pot. <laughs> he fills you with light that you might be able to shine. It's okay being a cracked pot. I'm cool with being a cracked pot. God uses cracked pots. God loves cracked pots. You've been through enough broken, you might feel like a crack pot. That's all right. God chose you. He made you that way, and he chose you that way, and he wants you to be faithful to be the best crack pot you can be. Just let the light shine through you. And then there's hope for a tree. Lynn Marie Christie preached a sermon on this back when we were in the AOG building. It's found in Job 14. It says, there's hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again that its tender shoots will not cease. 
Though its roots may grow old in the earth and the stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. Do you ever feel like a tree's been cut down? Hey, there's hope for a tree. I've been, I've been cut down four times financially in my life. I mean cut down to the stump. I felt like I was getting successful and things were moving up and I was getting independent and I was saving money and I was living higher and boom, the tragedy came, cut me down. I had to start over and I, I did it again. I worked my way back up. I dug my way out of the hole, started building, feeling independent again, feeling secure again and boom, another tragedy struck. Four different times, four different situations, four completely different situations, I got cut down. You say, What's, why is God mad at you like that? No, he loves me like that. He, he's breaking me. Do you realize if he hadn't cut me down and cut me down and cut me down, how proud and arrogant and independent I would have become? See, this, is a, this breaking process is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I know I'm not getting one amen when I talk like this, but I'm, I promise you it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's good to be broken. God's nigh. He's near to the broken heart and to the contrite spirit. That picture says it all to me right there. That's what I'm trying to communicate with you today. What is, what's this breaking about? He wants us to surrender. That means put your weapons down. Put your weapons down. Quit fighting. Quit fighting God. Quit fighting man. Quit fighting. Just quit fighting. Open your hands. Lift up your hands to the Lord and just put your weapons down. I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender. Just surrender it all. Have, you can't surrender with a broken will. I mean with an unbroken will. When your will's stiff-necked, and stubborn and obstinate and unyielding, you're not surrendered to God. You, you're bossing your own way. You don't even realize it. You think you're surrendered to God. You're doing what you want to do every day and calling it God's will. But when you're broken, you'll, you'll lift your hands and you will do only what God asks you to do every day of your life. A surrendered will is going to flow and go right where God asks it to. That was my favorite picture. I wanted just to leave that up there the whole time. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. There's paradoxes there. To win, you, you must surrender. See, we think surrendering means losing. <laughs> no, that's how you win in the kingdom of God. Amen. To live, you must die. To be the greatest, you must become the least. If you want to be first, you must be last. If you want to rule, you must serve. If you want to be exalted, you must humble yourself. To find your life, you must lose your life. If you want to be strong, then boast in your weaknesses. To get a crown, you carry a cross. To inherit the kingdom of God, you must be poor in spirit. To do what God has called you to do, you must be broken. Paradoxes. It all seems upside down. Suffering is not brokenness. Suffering takes a shallowness out of you. Not, I mean, brokenness takes a shallowness out of you, not suffering. I've always heard the term, well, suffering to take the shallowness out of you. That's good. No, it really doesn't because a lot of people just white-knuckle suffering. Brother Chad mentioned that last week in his sermon. You just white-knuckle it. That means you're just going to hang on 
That means you're going to grip the sponge tight no matter what. You're going to go through this suffering and you say, bless God, I'm going to do it with a good attitude as much as I can. When I'm around people, I'm going to smile and have a good attitude about it. When I'm by myself, I'm going to curse and be angry, you know, but I'm, but I'm going to white knuckle my suffering. That's no way to go through suffering. Be like the little kitty cat. Open your hands, raise your arms, surrender to the Lord. Brokenness takes your shallowness out of you, not suffering. Brokenness does not diminish the life of faith, but it deepens it. And you can suffer and never yield your will to God. Again, you're white-knuckling suffering. Suffering can bring brokenness or it can bring bitterness. And we, we all suffer, but only a few allow it to break their will. I want you to look at this verse, pruning the tree. John 15, 1. I'm the true vine, my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I brought me a little knockout roses bush to church today. I'm gonna, it's beautiful. I'm gonna give it to my wife. My wife's in the nursery today. She was asking me why I needed these roses. But she went and bought them for me, so I'm gonna. But as beautiful as they are, if you really want to make them more beautiful and have it fuller, more gorgeous plant for next year, it needs pruning. Every, every one of these branches need pruning. I was going to give that. Sister Angie said if I give that to my wife, that will earn me a lot of points. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to keep that one right there. You know, when you get pruned, you know, churches get pruned. Our return church has been pruned three or four times already. It doesn't hardly make sense because it looks like this is glorious and this is beautiful. And why would you cut it off? You know, why would you, why would you remove the part that is beautiful and leave the uglier part? Pruning. Not only do churches get pruned, but human beings get pruned. I don't know about you, but I've been pruned. When I talk about my tree, Job 14, getting cut down four times, I've been pruned by God. Financial pruning, relational pruning. You know, I've, I've gone through something where I thought I had hundreds of friends and found out I didn't have but a handful of friends. How many of y'all ever lost a bunch of friends? You know, pruning, God did all that. That was right because only I walked in the center of God's will and did exactly what he told me to do. And all of a sudden I look around and I lost all these friends. That was God's will. That was part of his plan. He was pruning me. When I think I got a lot of money and you wake up the next day and you don't hardly have any, pruning. What about relational intimacy? What, what, what about sometimes when you, the people you're closest to in life all of a sudden you wake up and they seem like a million miles away. Relationships are very difficult. It's hard to stay close to everybody like you want to. God's always pruning. This, who's, who's doing the pruning according to the scripture? The Father. Jesus said, I'm the vine, but my Father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That means these fruitless branches 
Yeah, he just cuts those off right away. But what about these ones that got a beautiful rose on it like this? Well, that one needs to be cut back. Why? So it'll be more fruitful next year. He wants you to bear fruit. Pruning. What, what kind of painful things could pr pruning involve in your life? It could be health. You know, you're rolling around, you rolling alone thinking you've got great health, and all of a sudden you don't feel good. You go to the doctor and you find out this is a lot more serious than what you thought. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Finances. I was once rich, now I'm broke. I owe, I owe, it's off to work I go. <laughs> Pruning. It doesn't look so pretty now, does it? It's just a little green bush. But you know what? I don't know. This is probably not the right time of year to do this. <laughs> but I'm going to bank on it anyway. That this, this time next year, that this bush is going to be the most beautiful knockout rose bush in the world. All right? We're going to pray for it. We're going to ask the Lord to bless this thing. God prunes your life. If you're a Christian, you're growing in Christ, and you want to be a follower of Jesus, he's going to prune your life. He's going to cut you back because he loves you. He's going to cut you back because he wants to break that independence out of you, that thing inside of you that wants to do its own thing every day and go its own way. See, God's looking not for stiff-necked people. He, Israel was so stiff-necked. He had such big plans for them. He wanted them to go into Canaan's land. Joshua and Caleb, they go in there and come back and give a great report, and they can take the land. But you got two and a half million of them that are stiff-necked, that didn't think they could take the land. The land looked like a land of giants. They, they didn't have the faith and the courage to do it. All they did was complain and murmur for 40 years in the wilderness. Christians, that's not the life he's called us to live. He wants us to inherit Canaan's land. He wants us to have a Joshua and a Caleb spirit. In the wilderness, he has to strip away all the stuff that's unlike Christ. Again, everything outside of your relationship with Jesus needs to be broken and stripped away. He wants your identity to be in Christ. If your identity is in Christ, in Christ, in your relationship with Christ, the fact that Christ is in me and I'm in him, He's in my heart, and I'm in his heart. That means I'm righteous because I'm in him. I'm holy because I'm in him. I'm godly because I'm in him. Christ took away what was wrong with me. So my identity is in Christ. It makes me a completely different person. So anything apart from that or outside of that, Bill the businessman or Bill the cow farmer or Bill whatever I am, you know, that needs to be broken away. Because when people see me, they need to see Jesus. There's Bill the Christian. Not even Bill the preacher or Bill the minister at return. Just Bill the Christian. Bill the bride of Christ. Bill the follower of Jesus. Bill the disciple. That's the man I want to be. So God has to prune. You think I've pruned enough here? Or does it need to be deeper? That's probably enough. I'm going to cut it a little bit. That one's bothering you a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I can tell. And this one down here. These things got these bad briars on them. 
thorns. That's what I'm going to we call a briar. That shows you what a country boy I am if I call a thorn a briar. But my wife's going to love this now. She's going to be so excited when she sees this. <laughs> and that's the way it goes. And that's the way I feel. God just cuts me back and cuts me back and cuts me back. But it doesn't stay that way. This thing's going to become beautiful. It's going to become fruitful. It's going to have more roses on it. It's going to be our centerpiece. Next summer, we're going to put it right here, and it's going to be absolutely splendid, fantastic. Broken. Broken in the right places. I think I put a summary slide, and we'll go home. God uses crack pots to let the light shine through you. If you are a crack pot, don't be mad about that. God spent your lifetime making you just that way so he could shine that kind of light through your cracks. Number two, abundance comes from brokenness. It doesn't come from our gain and everything we put together and accumulated. Abundance comes from thanking and breaking and giving away. We need open hands and not closed fists. God wants to break our wills for our good and his glory. Once your will is broken, then surrender it to God. Remember the picture of the little kitty cat. Surrender everything to him. Don't white-knuckle suffering. Let pain break you in the right place. God prunes us so we'll bear more fruit. Does that make sense? That's as simple as I can make it. The breaking process. Why don't we stand? We'll be dismissed. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Brother Chad, do you mind coming up here and dismissing us in prayer? I'm just so excited about the Hayes family. Everything these guys do is fantastic. they got such an anointing. They love the Lord so much. They're just amazing, amazing people. We're so blessed to have Brother Chad with us here. Amen. It's a good word. Really, really good. I'm looking forward. As soon as I get this posted, I'm going to go home and watch this on Facebook again. And uh, I, there's a point in there where I just stopped taking notes and just was absorbing. But I'm going to go watch this a couple times to get all these notes. And I'm going to re-preach this message one day. Give Pastor Bill credit, of course. But it was a good word. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word that we've heard today through Pastor Bill. Lord, I pray that it would affect each and every one of us, Lord God. This word that was spoken to us today, Lord God, we, we receive it. Lord, we ask that you would just help this to take root in our hearts. Pray that you would cause it to spring forth in our lives and that it would bear fruit in all of us. Father, we want the light to shine through us, Lord God. Every broken place, Lord God, that the light of Jesus Christ would be made known to the world through us. Father, we thank you and we give you praise, Lord God. Empower us this week. Use us this week, Lord God. Uh, we want to be your ambassadors as we go to work, as we go to school, as we go out into the community and the marketplace. Lord God, use us. Work through us, Lord God. Touch broken, hurting, dying humanity through our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Please remember the